All right, shall I? You shall. Okay. Chapter 13, The Handsome One. The castle grounds snarled with a wave of magically magnified wind. The sky outside was a great black ceiling, which was full of blood. <laughs> I can't do <laughs> I can do this. Okay. The only sounds drifting from Hagrid's hut were the disdainful shrieks of his own <laughs> Seriously, nothing Harry Potter related has made me laugh this hard since, like, the first Potter Puppet Pals? Potter musical or something. Oh. <laughs> I can't. Okay. <laughs> I, can't... <laughs> I, like, start to read it and I can't even function. Okay. <sighs> Magic. It was something that Harry Potter thought was very good. <laughs> Leathery sheets of rain lashed at Harry's ghost as he walked across the grounds toward the castle. Ron was standing there and doing a kind of frenzied tap dance. He saw Harry and immediately began to... <laughs> eat her I'm sorry, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> And immediately began to eat Hermione's family. Ron's Ron's shirt. Gosh dang it. I cry. Me too. Ron's Ron shirt was just as bad as Ron himself. If you two can't clump happily, I'm going to get aggressive. Confessed the reasonable Hermione. What about Ron magic? Offered Ron. To Harry, Ron was a louse, low, and soft bird. Harry did not like to think about birds. <laughs> Harry looked around and then fell down the spiral staircase for the rest of the summer. I'm Harry Potter. <laughs> Harry began yelling. The dark arts better be worried. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so good i don't know what makes it so good it just works it's you know i think it's the fact that it does feel like harry potter yeah but it's just got that tinge of insanity to it <laughs> it's got like the same cadence and the same like word usage oh that was good all right well in case anyway. you were wondering um that was something that i found on twitter a while ago i don't know where it originated but it's an AI-generated Harry Potter story. I'm Alexis. I'm Mallory. And this is Newtcast. And this is Newtcast. <laughs> <laughs>Yeah, this Go. is the first time. Mallory, where are you? I'm in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota. I'm still I'm still in Utah, still here after all these years. But I will be moving so shortly soon. It's there's been a lot of life things that have happened since our last episode. So we're I do apologize on behalf of myself. It's probably the sole reason that we haven't had an episode in so long. I got married and <laughs> A lot of crazy things happened after that. 
and I've been trying to get a job since I just graduated and everything's happening. So yeah, lots of things have happened, but Mallory came to my wedding and it was amazing. She was wonderful. It was amazing. <laughs> and now that we've had our fun <laughs> to announce today's topic, it's disappointing <laughs> news. <laughs> Yay. Yay. So since we haven't recorded in so long, we have a ton of news to catch up on and not all of it is disappointing, but the biggest stories are. So we're going to save those for our quote unquote main section. Maybe we'll try to power through this bit of news so that you get the details enough. So if you're curious, you can look up the more of them, but we'll get to the main segment here shortly. Okay, so well, to start us off in Cursed Child News, the original London cast is going to be coming back to play their roles when Cursed Child opens in Broadway. So that is very exciting if you happen to be one of the lucky few who's going to be going to New York to see it. I did sign up to like try and be one of the people who got to buy tickets, but I didn't. Ugh. Which, you know, it's kind of disappointing, but probably also better for my bank account. So <laughs> it's all right. I will say again, if you guys have the opportunity, please go see it with the original cast because that is such a blessing. Those those actors are like my children. Like <laughs> they're probably my age, but I love them so much. <laughs> and the story might not be your favorite, but I do promise you the production does improve so much more from just reading it as a script. Um, in related news, First Child will be also going to Melbourne, Australia in 2019. We don't know anything about the cast other than just the fact that Cursed Child will be running there. So more news as it comes up, I'm sure. And in Fantastic Beasts news, um, there's a title for the next one. It's called The Crimes of Grindelwald. And how do you feel about that? How do I feel about that? Well, yeah. that might come up in the main part of our segment. I'm just leave that in. <laughs> yeah, well, just, I don't know. How do you feel about that? I don't know. I mean, obviously, we will find out when we actually see the film as to how fitting it is. Right. Um, it does certainly seem to indicate that there will be a much larger focus on Grindelwald as a character and on his history than there was in the first one, which I don't know if that is good news or bad news, given the context of other things we found out. I think Kate mentioned this when she was on the show forever ago, but I feel like they've kind of dug themselves into a hole with going with the Fantastic Beasts title in the first place. Yeah. It almost feels like Joe was like, hey, I want to do something about Newt Scamander. And then as she was brainstorming, she's like, wait, this is the same timeline as Grindelwald. Let's make it about Grindelwald. But she already had her heart set on Newt Scamander, so she had to find a way to, like, make him involved. Right, yeah. I, so, I don't know. I feel like she's wanting it to be sort of like Harry Potter, where, where it gets darker and deeper with every book or movie. But I don't think the word Fantastic Beasts at the front of every single movie is going to, like, I don't know. I think it's going to become really feeling, like, off-putting. Maybe like morbid beasts. I don't know. I feel like it's not going to be like fantastic beasts. Like that just sounds very light and airy. And I don't think that's the way she wants it to sound. Yeah. I get that they're using fantastic beasts to tie all of these five films together as one cohesive story, the same way that it was Harry Potter and blah, blah, right. blah. 
Mm-hmm. But it just doesn't work the same. No. Maybe if they had gone with something like Newt's Commander and... Or just different textbooks or something. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> David Yates has confirmed that each of the Fantastic Beasts films will take place in a different major city. Um, and that J.K. Rowling has already told them where the next one is going to be. Um, this one, Crimes of Grindelwald, is going to take place mainly in Paris, but it will also have scenes at Hogwarts and in New York and London. Will it have scenes at Ilvermorny? I hope so, eventually. I don't know if it ever will. I feel like our, our chance has been lost. You know, it's too bad that one of the main... I mean, we've got two main characters that went to Ilvermorny, but they're backstories and is relevant to the overall plot i feel like so but i mean just a glimpse just something (laughs) right come on throw us a bone here right so you did hear it here first that nicholas flamel will be in the crimes of grindelwald saul is an absolute fear (laughs) i'm so proud of him i am too and he's i'm sure proud of himself so (laughs) I, if I can find that little audio clip, I would love to put it in here. There's just some interesting things, too. I mean, if you look at already the current ties to Paris, specifically um, in the Harry Potter uh, books, the big one is Nicholas Flamel. Right. Why is Grindelwald in Paris? And who is in Paris? And who has a stone? We know that Grindelwald is looking for a stone because he's looking for the Deathly Hallows. Oh. So you think he's looking for I mean, Nicholas I don't Flamel's know. We have nothing to really we stone. have nothing to go off of. Whoa. But it would be very interesting. Oh if my gosh, so he thought that the Philosopher's Stone was a Deathly Hallows, specifically the Resurrection right. Stone. Right. Grindelwald has the Elder Wand. You have a heart of fluttering. <laughs> <laughs> There's really nothing suggesting this. this is just me, right? Yeah, yeah. Thinking about this. I don't know. We know Dumbledore knows Nicholas Flamel. Why and how and when did he meet Nicholas Flamel? (laughs) You weren't here for this, but at your wedding, actually, out of nowhere, like, no context leading up to it whatsoever, I was just like, oh, by the way, Saul, I forgot to tell you. And he's like, stop, I already know. I know. I'm a genius. I figured out. He knew exactly what I was going to say, even though all day gone by, we had not mentioned anything related to it. And then I just... That's so yeah, he is a seer is basically what I'm trying to get at here. Right, right. And if you want to listen to more of Saul's things, you can find him at bookstack.com. He does a great job there. And I'm very proud of him. But, but Nicholas with my character for this movie will be played by Brontus Jodorowsky. I apologize right. if I get that wrong. Do you know anything about this actor? Not a thing. Cool. What other castings were released, Mallory? Claudia Kim as Maledictus. She is one of the people that we see in the promo poster that was released for Crimes of Grindelwald. So we do actually know what she looked like. And she's in this poster. She's sitting right next to Credence and is kind of like cozied up to him. So I don't know if that really indicates. Lap. Yeah. And everyone in the poster is kind of coupled up except for uh, Dumbledore and Grindelwald who are by themselves but wow. on opposite sides, which I feel like there's, you know, some, symbolism in that as well but i don't know if that indicates that these two are going to be like a thing or if they are like if their primary relationship with in the film is going to be with each other like she's someone that he meets when he winds up in paris or what but basically the only thing we know about her is that she is a carrier of a blood curse that destines her to ultimately transform into a beast is that something other than a werewolf or 
Because that sounds like werewolf to me, but... You know, when I first read that, I did not think werewolf because I was just like, oh, she's going to be just like Credence. But yeah, you're right. That's obviously very werewolfy. Hmm. But, you know, it just as easily could be something that we have not been introduced to before that they're going to introduce in this film. So either way, I'm sure it'll be something that these two can bond over. Right. Darkness inside and all of that. Anyway, we also have Wolf Roth as someone named Spielman, Victoria Yeats as Bunty, also don't know who that is, but there's a couple of familiar names here. Derek Riddle will be Torkel Travers, and Poppy Corby Tooch, I hope I said that right, as Evan Rosier, which is a, yeah, so Death Eaters basically, (laughs) but before Death Eaters was a thing. The name Torkel really Torked me off, threw me off. It threw me <laughs> off. Sorry, I tried to do something. Yeah, I didn't realize that was Travers and Rosier until you just said yeah. it. <laughs> um, we also have Cornell S. John as Arnold Guzman, Jessica Williams, who I love. Um, we don't know who she's going to be, but she's going to be in it. And Fiona Glasscott also as a yet unknown character. So those are some casting news since the last time we were here. Jude Law did say that J.K. Rowling spent an afternoon with him laying out Dumbledore's entire backstory and sort of discussing where she wanted to take the story of the younger version of Dumbledore. Um, But from what I've read also, isn't Dumbledore like hardly in this film at all? I kind of hope so (laughs) for reasons that I'm sure you can guess. Um, I haven't heard that, but I haven't digging that deeply into the news about it. I thought I read somewhere that Dumbledore would be like less than 10 minutes of the entire film, but I could be wrong. We will double check on that fact and put it in the show notes. So the French word for muggle was revealed to be non magique. <laughs> that is my interpretation of how that sounds. <laughs> I think that's right. I mean, I don't speak French, but it's wildly uncreative. It basically means non magic. It does mean non magic. So it's not really a word for it. They just don't have a word for it. Yeah, I mean, I guess Americans at least cut, cut that down to nomad, but. And it was supposed to like kind of have that snappy 1920s New York feel nomad, you know, because they're so cool. And the English wizards get to have a silly made up word like muggle. I guess, I guess she'd run out of ideas. Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, or maybe she's like, uh, we need to rein this back. It's going to get a little too complicated. <laughs> There's like 50 different words for the word muggle. <laughs> Yeah, that's interesting. I do. Do we know like the etymology of Muggle in the universe? Like, I mean, don't quote me on this because I don't know for sure. But I have a vague memory of reading someone asking her that in like some fan interview or whatever, and she was like, basically, it just sounded silly. And I went through a bunch of different possibilities, and that was the one that stuck. So yeah, I think she just made it up. <laughs> okay. Um, In non-film-related Fantastic Beasts news, the illustrated edition of Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them has been released. I don't have it, but from the little promo videos I've seen, it looks really beautiful. So if that's something you're interested in, you can look for that at bookstores. So in other news, this is really funny, and I want you to read this. (laughs) I, I read... Just like a couple weeks ago. So, you know, they released those house versions of Philosopher's Stone slash Sorcerer's Stone. Right. Um, And it had this little tidbit toward the end 
about how professors Flitwick and Sprout once dated. Apparently, <laughs> this tidbit was based on a fake JK Rowling tweet that was created by College Humor. And this whole thing that they faked had like a fan asking her if any of Hogwarts teachers had ever dated. And she was like, of course, Sprout and Flitwick had a long-term relationship. They broke up and remained friends. And I guess someone in the Pottermore or whatever team that is oh just putting this together, <laughs> we jokingly say some intern <laughs> didn't do their fact checking, saw that tweet and was like, hey, I'm just going to take this at face value and not check to make sure that it actually came from her account. So it ended up in like an official oh published gosh. edition of these books. I mean, there's a chance that she actually does think that, but I don't think that that possibility is very high. I feel like this is such an indicator of the way this fandom slash franchise is moving. I was thinking the exact same thing. I'm so glad you said that. Of course, this is what happens when like, <laughs> you make ridiculous amount of content that actually doesn't have any value of course and like of course this is what happens when jk rowling does give out so much information post books and people like read it up false rumors abound and people don't know like wow the snake in the first book isn't actually nagini maybe they should take as a hint that they should stop releasing so many editions of everything every (laughs) year yeah i get that right now is the start of like the 20th anniversary of everything but that's just gonna keep happening yep yeah that's very true and maybe don't let people ghostwrite so much for jk rowling and just let her write her stuff all we want all we asked for is an encyclopedia we don't we don't really want anything else <laughs> we don't. there's, there's Do nothing else about this that is appealing to me i just want an encyclopedia written by jk rowling yeah it's it's frustrating But it's also hilarious at the same time. (laughs) At this point, all we can do is laugh. Yep. Um, (laughs) Speaking of new editions constantly being released, Scholastic will be releasing new paperback editions of the Harry Potter books in July to celebrate the 20th anniversary of the U.S. publications. Um, The covers will be illustrated by Brian Sesnick. I don't know that there's anything else to say about that. There's no new content or anything. They're just... Rolling out another edition. (laughs) And speaking of new editions. (laughs) There will also be a house edition of the Chamber of Secrets in June. And this will continue with the rest of the series. But uh, so they're just going to have new house editions every single book. And they'll have like little tiny extra content so that you buy these extra books. I know. If I had known that, I wouldn't have bought the Ravenclaw edition of the first one. Because I don't really want to buy the entire series of this edition. I thought this was just going to be a one-off thing. And I was like, oh, this is a cute, nice thing. But now I've just got this one lonely book. Mallory, if we didn't do this podcast and you didn't, like, keep up with all of these things, I would not know how many books are being released right now. I know. That's not even on my radar. I feel like they're just, like, inundating the market with new Harry Potter, new Harry Potter, and so everyone just goes to it. But, like, at what point does, like, the general public yawn? Why would I want... Yeah, and if you and I, dedicated Harry Potter fans who run a Harry Potter podcast, are not interested in this, then why would Aunt Martha, who's only watched the movies, care? I feel like this is just so people who Google good gifts for harry potter fans 
will find <laughs> something they can give their niece or nephew or cousin that they don't talk to for their birthday or Christmas or something. Like, that's the only thing I can come up with. And so that they can buy it from Scholastic or WB instead of someone off Etsy. Yeah, yeah. Oh my goodness, the next part of news does make me really excited, and it's probably unfounded and stupid for me to be excited about this. No, I'm excited too. Okay. Take it away. Harry Potter Hogwarts Mystery. It's a mobile RP Hogwarts game, so role-playing game, where you're able to make your own character and sort of travel through Hogwarts in a time that does not involve Harry Potter, which let me tell you, I'm really grateful for. <laughs> it's just like, I don't need that character to be butchered in another version of Harry Potter and I'm really grateful that they're avoiding that. What they are doing is they're going to the time just previous to, to Potter, after Marauders, before Potter. So around the time Nymphador Tonks is still at school. Yeah, I'm very excited about this as well. I hope that it's going to be good. I feel like it's either going to be the best thing and the game that we've all been wanting for forever, or it's going to be a huge disappointment and make us all upset. Right. But we've gotten so used to disappointment recently that I think I can take it at this point. <laughs> They've really conditioned us well. They have. <laughs> this does come in addition to, there is a Pokemon Go-esque kind of Harry Potter game coming out that is verified. So keep that in mind. Don't get those conflated when you start hearing news about one mobile game or the other. The, the Pokemon Go one I'm not as excited about just because I think Niantic is also at the heart of it and they have not been producing what they were promising for Pokemon, so... I'm not expecting much out of that one, but this other one, I have high hopes for. Yeah, it should be good. And I, too, am glad that they're not going with the Harry Potter era for this game. Mm -hmm. Partially because I don't want them to ruin it, and partially because, let's be honest, they cannot possibly top the original Harry Potter games <laughs> with the bad graphics and <laughs> the places where you could get stuck in a Hogwarts wall <laughs> and Oh my gosh, the library sneak past prefects. That was terrifying. I probably peed my pants. Like, it was bad. It scared you. It when those scary. stupid spiders would pop out of the trunks. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. Please stop that. <laughs> oh, I love those games. Good times. Um, this is kind of vague, not super important news, but I personally like fan-related art prints. So if you're into, like, the official ones... They've made a set of five prints um, for Universal Orlando's fifth celebration of Harry Potter that they do every year. And the graphic designers who made it were the ones who did the designs for the Harry Potter and Fantastic Beasts films. And they're actually really pretty. So if that's something you're interested in, you might want to take a look at that. I like them a lot. The wand collection was released. What is that? I got so excited and I wanted to send it to you and I was like, Alexis, this is going to make you so excited because you're super into wands, I know. Uh -huh. And it was like the title was, there's a trailer for the wand lore book for Harry Potter. And I was like, yes, this is what we've been wanting. But it looks like it's more of a film based thing where they talk about the specific wands that they made for the characters in the Harry Potter movies. So it'll be like, this mm -hmm. is Hermione's wand and it's made out of this and has this core and this is the properties that it would have and this is how we made it so <laughs> that's no actually, title yeah it's really basically just another film set type stuff tie-in book that they'll probably sell at barnes noble that people will buy his gifts yeah, yeah. <laughs> i got clickbaited i got so excited <laughs> Oh, you can't trust any Harry Potter titles anymore. 
Everyone lies. <gasps> the BBC will be airing a documentary that covers the opening of the British Library's Making of Harry Potter exhibition, which features an interview with Rowling herself. We'll be able to see documents we haven't seen before that were in her archives, which is pretty interesting. I must say, I'm feeling like less and less interested in this thing, in anything. Nothing matters. Yeah. <laughs> if this were 2008, you know, and the series had just ended and they're like, hey, we're going to do a documentary about Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling is going to show us a bunch of notebook pages and stuff from her archives that we've never seen before, I'd be over the moon. I'm pretty now, sure we I don't care. <laughs> pretty sure we've already had the uh, the 2008 documentary as well as like the 2001 documentary i don't know i think there's always been some sort of bbc special about her when the books were coming out (laughs) um this is a fun little tidbit the weasley clock has been invented they're calling it the eta clock and it has just like the weasley clock hands for each member of your family and they can put an app on their phone which tracks them and moves their hands to locations like school work friends home whatever so that's kind of fun that makes me very happy. It's not nearly as cute as the no, I, block in the film. I'm just but... now looking it up, and it looks kind of boring, but... Yeah, it's very minimalist, the design yeah. of the actual clock. Lots of I colors. wonder if the different spots they have on there are a set thing, or if you can custom order it so it doesn't have to... Because I remember one is, like, abroad. Yeah. But maybe family that, like, never, ever travels, so you could opt to have that be like I don't know maybe your dad bowls or something (laughs) the bowling alley (laughs) yeah it'd be really interesting you'd have to like map out every single friend's house so that you know if they're with their friends like I don't know I had a couple houses I would go to that's it's still fun I like the idea I'm like I'm glad that is an invention at least on kickstarter all right so that was the end of our news segment um the next part the suitcase we'll be talking more about other news that you have probably heard (laughs) as it's made quite a storm in not only the Harry Potter universe, but just the Twitterverse at large, from my experience anyway. As we've discussed before, there has been a lot of controversy over this franchise continuing to cast Johnny Depp in the role of Grindelwald, despite the allegations against him of spousal abuse. Recent, well, not that recently. It's been a while now, but David Yates and J.K. Rowling have both made statements defending the fact that he is still cast in these films. Like most things that tend to be a PR problem for this franchise nowadays, it started off with David Yates saying something in an interview Mm -hmm. and then J.K. Rowling trying to clean up the mess but not doing a great job of it. So if I could just throw this out for you, David Yates, buddy. You should probably just stop doing interviews because every time you open your mouth, you cause a PR nightmare. It's true. He doesn't really know how to talk in a way that would be expected of somebody who's helming a franchise that does speak about abuse and is considered progressive in a lot of different ways. This is a statement from Yates. We're going to sort of come and go with our own thoughts on what he's saying um, because it's a pretty long one and I don't want to just read your ears off. So Here it is. Yates. Honestly, there's an issue at the moment where there's a lot of people being accused of things. They're being accused by multiple victims and it's compelling and frightening. So pausing there. He's obviously like bringing up the whole zeitgeist of calling people out, starting with Harvey Weinstein and continuing through Hollywood and politics as well, which is, 
a valid place to start from, but for me, it feels like he's saying like, so everyone's in this frenzy, but with Johnny, it's different. So he continues by saying, with Johnny, it seems to me that there's one person who took a pop at him and claimed something. I can only tell you about the man I see every day. He's full of decency and kindness, and that's all I see. Whatever accusation was out there doesn't tally with the kind of human being I've been working with. <sighs> yeah. The beginning, I was like, okay, like, he's not phrasing this great, but, you know, we know this about David Yates, so let's see where it goes. And this is where he lost me. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. He's basically saying, so, like, this is the person I work with, and he doesn't he doesn't show this sort of, like, attitude or whatever is being accused. And it's like, well, no, duh. It's an abusive relationship. Are you in a relationship with Johnny Depp? Are you, are you at home with him? Like, it's just that's, incomprehensible. That's the classic... That's it's, the classic definition of the abuser is someone who's so likable in public, but there's a completely different side of them. This right. I'm close doors. I literally don't care about the person you know at work when the statement, the official statement given with the court case said that there were no false accusations. So when the statement claims something different about the person he is at home, why should I care about who you interact with at work? I don't know. It's beyond me. It's incomprehensible. And it really just makes me not want to care about anything he says for the rest of this. <laughs> Yates added that several of Depp's exes have come forward to publicly defend him, including Vanessa Paradise, Paradise? Lori Ann Allison, and Winona Ryder, who said Depp was never abusive at all. I only know him as a really good, loving, caring guy during their four-year relationship. By testament, some of the women in Depp's life have said the same thing. That's not the human being we know. Yates said. It's very different than cases where there are multiple accusers over many years that need to be examined, and we need to reflect on our industry that allows that to roll on year in and year out. Johnny isn't in that category in any shape or form, so to me, it doesn't bear any more analysis. It's a dead issue. <laughs> uh, uh, it's just uncomfortable. This entire the way he thinks about the situation is very disheartening, uncomfortable, frustrating, confusing, bothersome. <laughs> it's 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 him saying only one person has had this experience, and so therefore I don't believe her, which is ridiculous. And it's very frustrating for him to quote other people who've been in relationships with Johnny Depp who weren't abused by him. So clearly, you know, he was never abusive ever. Right. We all go through different life phases. And we'll get to that later on. It's it's uh it's just hard to swallow this this entire quote. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much more we can add that hasn't been you know right. discussed at deep length on Twitter and basically every news channel out there that has talked about this. But I think it's very clear that David Yates is at a disconnect with where most of the fandom is on this issue. And that's probably where a lot of this problematic stuff is coming from, is that he's just so separated from where the rest of us stand on this that he doesn't understand why it matters so much to us. Yeah, it's clearly not a dead issue if people have something to say about it. And it's just, it feels like he's just saying like, well, my opinion is what counts, so whatever. And it's that's just a very juvenile approach to the whole situation. J.K. Rowling... I feel like her statement is at least intelligent in some ways, more so than, than Yates's, um, but it still presents a lot of problems. 
she says when johnny depp was cast as grindelwald i thought he'd be wonderful in the role however around the time of filming his cameo in the first movie stories had appeared in the press that deeply concerned me and everyone most closely involved in the franchise harry potter fans had legitimate questions and concerns about our choice to continue with johnny depp in the role as david yates longtime potter director has already said we naturally considered the possibility of recasting I understand why some have been confused and angry about why that didn't happen. So just to pause there for a second, I, I know there's a lot of instances where like authors, when they have movie rights given away, like they don't have much control over casting, but this clearly puts her in the square of this is our choice to continue with him. And we considered the possibility of recasting, which to me is evidence that there was a possibility, no matter how difficult or strenuous or pricey or challenging that might be that really puts that light onto the situation yeah and the fact that this news came out at the time when they were filming his cameo in the first film which was not a long cameo no. and they still decided to go forward with it says a lot because i mean as far as casting changes go that would be a relatively cheap one i mean yes johnny depp is not cheap but I mean, it's not like they had to recast Newt Scamander or something. He had, like, what, 60 seconds in the film? Right. So she continues to say, The huge mutually supportive community that has grown up around Harry Potter is one of the greatest joys of my life. For me personally, the inability to speak openly to fans about this issue has been difficult, frustrating, and at times painful. However, the agreements that have been put in place to protect the privacy of two people, both of whom have expressed a desire to get on with their lives, must be respected. Based on our understanding of the circumstances, the filmmakers and I are not only comfortable sticking with our original casting, but genuinely happy to have Johnny playing our major character in the movies. So she's clearly incapable for probably legal reasons to talk clearly about the scenario, which we'll get in with the next paragraph, but this is her attempt at it. <laughs> and her, her discussing how like they want to get on with their lives, it, that makes sense but that's not exactly that's not really in question here I don't think I think everyone would understand like yeah they don't want this to keep coming up constantly in their lives but yeah the way she phrases this she says two people who want to move on basically it makes it sound like the two people are Johnny Depp which who cares if he wants to move on right and Amber Heard who is the person who made these allegations against him and it's pretty clear that she, although I'm sure she would like to not have to deal with this anymore, she responded to this when they yes. made these statements about it and was like, um, no. <laughs> so I think it's pretty clear that she doesn't want to move on at the cost of people not believing her about this. Right. right. It was when WB released a statement that said, that quoted the, the official court statement about, oh man, what was the exact quote? I can't remember anymore. Oh, no, there was no intent to harm one another, something along those lines. She quote tweeted that and was basically like, listen, you can't just pick and choose what's in that statement because the sentence beforehand literally says there were no false accusations. Clearly, there was abuse in this relationship because that's how the court settled it. And like, clearly, you can't just erase that part of it just to make it seem better because like, oh, no one intended to harm anyone else. That doesn't make a true statement about the entire situation Whew, sorry i <laughs> this is a very like oof, heated for me anyway it and it just i feel very frustrated i think it's also important though to bring this up to acknowledge this to talk it out because 
I would not feel comfortable ignoring it. I wouldn't feel comfortable just being like, well, I can trust J.K. Rowling implicitly. She might be comfortable sticking with the original casting based on her understanding, but we don't have that same understanding. Like what understanding is there that's not already clear to everyone else? I don't know. We have no idea. I think as it becomes more clear too that the people who are in charge of this franchise and who have all the power in making these decisions are not going to have these conversations unless we raise a stink about it. That just makes it all yes. more important for us as fans to discuss this and to make sure that it doesn't just fade away and to hold them responsible for their actions. Yes. And the way that things are moving right now within our culture and within Hollywood and all of this hashtag me too, hashtag times up, all of these things are happening right now. And it definitely makes for a PR nightmare for this entire franchise because they're sticking with a casting that's going to be continued through four more movies. Heck, he is the name in his character is the title character in this next film. And obviously the film franchise is going in a direction where he becomes more and more like the central character whether that's the antagonist or not and so like this is going to continue to be a nightmare for the entire franchise it's a really big decision that they had to make and i can't imagine anyone being comfortable and happy to be a part of that <laughs> anyway so there's one more paragraph would you like to read that since i'm talking my my head off <laughs> sure <laughs> i've loved writing the first two screenplays and i can't wait for fans to see the crimes of grindelwald i accept that there will be those who are not satisfied with our choice of actor in the title role However, conscience isn't governable by committee. Within the fictional world and outside it, we, ha we all have to do what we believe to be the right thing. Mm. <laughs> I mean, yes, it's true that conscience isn't governable by committee, except for when it is, like when that committee is a jury. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I get what she's getting at, that, you know, this whole mob mentality that can often happen on right. the internet right. is not something that we should, you know, let rule the world but when people are raising these concerns you also have to take it seriously and not just try to make excuses and cover it up right do you ever think that like when all of the legal things within film is behind her she's going to actually speak clearly about this or do you think she's just going to be brushing it under the rug i don't know you know if you'd asked me this a few years ago i would have said oh absolutely because i was willing and i think we all were willing to give jk rowling the benefit of the doubt in pretty much every situation right but now i i don't know i feel like this is kind of going the same way that a lot of us had the experience of with joss whedon uh -huh. um and with i'm sure a lot of other authors and Filmmakers, content creators yeah. in general um but that's just kind of the most easy example that comes to my mind and that you know and the beginning of his heyday, he was this feminist voice, and his works were considered very progressive, and everyone loved Joss Whedon. And then as time went on, he still considered himself to be progressive and feminist, but the larger culture was moving forward and he wasn't. Right. So I feel like that's kind of what has happened here, which, you know, at the time when Harry Potter was in its biggest heyday, J.K. Rowling was kind of the voice of the underdog and reflected ideas in society that were very relevant at the time 
And when she revealed that she had thought of Dumbledore as gay, for example, that caused huge waves because even though it doesn't feel like that long ago, things were very different back then. And it was not that common to see a pop culture character, especially such a big one in a children's series, to be gay. That just wasn't very common. Right. So she was sort of a progressive voice at the time, you know, not the progressive voice and certainly not someone that people would consider like the foremost champion of whatever cause, but someone that you would throw into that category. But like with some other people, you know, she's, I feel like she's kind of stayed at the same point she was then while the rest of the world has moved forward without her. That's an interesting thought. And I am really glad you brought up the Dumbledore is gay aspect of um this kind of thing because i it makes me think about like the different ways society has taken the dumbledore is gay like announcement if you will um where at first it was like a lot of backlash in terms of like you can't just like you can't say that about this character i don't want him to be gay and i feel like gradually as society has moved forward that sentiment went morphed into like wow isn't it so great that dumbledore is gay it makes so much sense and then since then it's morphed into how come Dumbledore isn't explicitly gay in the books? And that's a little bit more like queer baiting, right? Where it's just like, oh yeah, after the fact, look, I was so progressive. Instead of writing it explicitly and like having this character be representational of this movement or of this um, sexuality in the books. Anyway, I thought that was like an interesting progression and is potentially like, like you said, like a reflection of how we're taking (laughs) the things she's making now, which is like still stuck in that, era where she was writing beforehand and we've moved on so much farther than that that I don't know if she's able to keep up and understand the nuances of using like American or Native Americans in her in her Ilvermorny story etc etc so that's really true and interesting thank you (laughs) (laughs) there's one other person who's involved here who did give a statement I think it's considered a joint statement between him and David Yates it's David Heyman the producer of all the Harry Potter films and I think Fantastic Beasts as well I met David Heyman-ish at a small conference in London. I was in the film program at the time at my school and he just spoke to a big audience. And I hold David Heyman to a much higher standard now than I did J.K. Rowling. And so for me, this is even more of a letdown to to hear him go along with this choice. Um, But I think of everyone, the brevity of his message is probably the most telling of his awareness, I think, of what's going on. Anyway, so what he said is, none of us involved in Fantastic Beasts would ever let our appreciation of talent obscure other, far more important considerations. We recognized the magnitude of the issues raised and understood the strength of feeling expressed. We hoped and strived at all times to be sensitive to both parties. We stand by our decision to have Donnie in the films. So it just, honestly, it raises more questions than it does answer things. I don't know. Mallory, this is so hard. There's so many. It is. It's hard. It's hard to come to terms with the fact that this franchise that we love has started to go in a direction that we don't morally agree with. Right. Because it, he states out like the moral like implications of this of just like, it's, it sounds like you prefer talent over like supporting, it's, it sounds like you're supporting an abuser for his talent rather than, um, calling him out for it and doing something else about it so it's like if if you recognize this and realize this and understand this 
why are you keeping him and why is it worth all of this fuss this confusion the bad energy the restlessness the doubt and the uncertainty that we now have not only over this film franchise but over the entire harry potter franchise and universe and world it just i don't understand how it's worth it dan radcliffe did actually also make a statement about this um which was very relieving to hear in which he said um i can see why people are frustrated with the response that they were given from that I suppose the thing I was struck by was we did have a guy who was reprimanded for weed on the film, essentially. So obviously what Johnny has been accused of is much greater than that. Basically what he's saying there is if Jamie Wylett, who was crab in the original Harry Potter series, gets fired for growing pot, basically this kid growing weed, then why is it okay for you to keep on a guy who is accused of beating his wife? which is so much worse than weed. So it was nice to hear that Dan Radcliffe basically gets it. Yeah. But at the same time, I think I can answer his question, which is crab didn't matter <laughs> in the overall <laughs> scheme yeah. of the films. You know, right. he was not a titular character, whereas Johnny Depp is playing the titular character in this film. I mean, we could all take one look at both Dan Radcliffe and Rupert Grint and know that they have smoked pot, but we also know that if they got busted smoking pot, neither of them would have been fired from the Harry Potter films because they were the main characters. Yeah. So, but it was nice to hear that Dan Radcliffe was kind of, you know, questioning calling them out and saying like, hey, like, I see what you're up to here and I don't buy it. Back in December, uh, Melissa Nelly, who, I don't know if she's in charge of LeakyCon or the Leaky Cauldron. She's, what do you, I don't know what her role is. <laughs> I don't know these days either. I mean, back from the heyday, she ran the Leaky Cauldron, which right. is a Harry Potter fan site. I think she does, if she doesn't run LeakyCon, then she is at least a large part of yes. running it. Very she's true. basically just one of the larger more recognized voices in the harry potter fandom at this point that's true um she wrote a very good twitter thread um in december and it's pretty long so i'm just going to summarize summarize it in like one or two tweets that she mentioned but um she does reference that like no harry potter fan thinks they know everything about the circumstances so like it's not like we're all like deciding i don't know it's it's a very confusing thing for everyone but she does say, like, it's not about whether or not people want to get on with their lives. It's about whether we continue propping up the system that implicitly says if a person is rich enough, powerful enough, or can settle things with enough discretion, they can continue to be put in powerful, important positions. Because like you said, this isn't like Johnny Depp is Vincent Crabbe. He is the titular role. He is. This is a huge role um, and not only this franchise, but in the series at large. She also says, like, you cannot dismiss the level and importance of the series and its messages on the world. This isn't just any film. This isn't just any book. This is Harry Potter, and it's become part of our culture, and everyone can recognize that name, which is really cool and also really powerful and potentially frightening in some ways, I can see as a creator. Like, there's a lot weighing on this. And with the whole message of the books being about choosing what is right versus what is easy, what are they doing now to show that they're choosing, you know, the right path over what might be easier for them? I thought it was a very, a very well put Twitter thread. I'll link it in the show notes. Do you have anything else you want to say about this one or shall we move 
onto the other um, equipment here. <laughs> there was there was one comment that I really appreciated. She responded to a question someone had about it's a valid question. It's like, does doing something wrong during a bad period of your life mean never working again? And she said, no, but there is a big gulf between that and being granted this position of obscene privilege and power. So just to reference, like, this isn't to say like Johnny Depp is going to always be a terrible person, but thinking about it now, if he's never reprimanded for what he's done, like, will he ever even change? I don't know. But in his changing, why should he be giving someone who has had this recently happen such a powerful and decisive role? That's all. That's all I had to say about that. <laughs> just that, you know, just that, you know, 30 minute. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Well, if we will move on then to the other bit of more recent news that has had a lot of people in a bit of an uproar. David Yates, again, demonstrating his case of foot and mouth disease. Um, came out with a statement. He was doing an interview about this film and it was asked whether Dumbledore's sexuality will be addressed in the film and he said that it will not explicitly be addressed in this film. He said, but I think all the fans are aware of that. He had a very intense relationship with Grindelwald when they were young men. They fell in love with each other's ideas and ideology and each other. And then, you know, J.K. Rowling responded to people's backlash about this. I will say, of these two issues, this one actually bothers me less. And before people jump all over me for that, it's not because of the issues themselves. It's because we haven't seen this film yet. And I also am familiar with David Yates and his tendency to put out statements that sound worse than they actually are. <laughs> so, I mean... Will the fact that Dumbledore's sexuality not be addressed explicitly in this film two of five be a problem? I don't know. Because if it's true that he's only going to have a few minutes of screen time in this whole film, I don't know that it's going to matter. I mean, we may not be even getting to know Dumbledore all that much, let alone his relationship with Grindelwald. And if... In reading the original Harry Potter series, after Dumbledore dies and Rita Skeeter does her whole expose on Dumbledore, revealing that he had this relationship with Grindelwald and it was this big sensational thing that had everyone in shock, that indicates that Dumbledore has also always been a very private person and has kept this in particular under wraps. So I would think even more at the height of Grindelwald's power when he is out terrorizing people Dumbledore's not going to make it known that like, hey, I used to work with this guy. I helped him mm -hmm. come up with this whole wizard's first thing. And I was on board with it. He's not going to go telling people that. That mm -hmm. would be stupid. <laughs> so, <laughs> I feel like the only way this can be done is through back uh, flashbacks, which I know will be a part of the film in other areas. So I'm actually okay with it not being explicitly addressed in this film, provided mm -hmm. that it is explicitly addressed eventually in one of the other films. Because if we take the social politics out of this and just think of it as a story about these two characters, I think it would have more emotional and storytelling payoff for us to be introduced to them both, know that they're both these really powerful people who are on opposite sides of this war, and then to eventually learn, gasp, 
they were in love with each other once and were both trying to work toward this evil ideology until this terrible thing happened and one of them came to their senses and is now trying to stop the other. Like, that has a better story to it. Right. So if they aren't going to be doing any big reveal about sexuality in this film, but they will in future films, preferably sooner rather than later, in my opinion, I think it'd be important for them to still at least include hints or at least like, so it's not just like we just did this film about a couple of bros and then like, we'll just pull the rug out from underneath you and make it a big showy thing. Like I want it to be a deeply ingrained part of both of their characters. So I want that to be able to show through within the first time we see them considering one another, whether that's like in a news story or in person. Yeah. Exactly. So I'm hoping that they are still gonna, you know, show this happening. And I know that, I mean, JK Rowling from her tweets in which she was very clearly annoyed about this, she kind of indicated without actually saying that like, there's more happening here and we've still got three more films after this one for this story to play out. So I'm hoping that this really is going to be something that's clearly explicitly shown the part of this that makes me worry that it won't is the way Yates is saying, I think all the fans are aware of this because as we've kind of seen from the first Fantastic Beasts films, there's a lot of things that he is assuming that fans are aware of that not everyone who's seeing the film is aware of. And you can't rely on that for storytelling. You have to make a film that people can just go in and see without having read all of Pottermore to understand. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we'll see. Yeah, I think more can be said about this topic when we see things. Yeah, basically my reaction to this is going to depend on what actually ends up panning out. If it ends up not being addressed at all, then I will be just as ticked off as tons of other people are. And plenty of people have made very excellent points about it. But it was just within the context of this one quote, you know, very much just this kind of headline news where people take it and run with it without thinking of what is actually going to here which i understand but it's also i think being blown out of proportion so right right. hopefully we will be vindicated but i'm not you know i'm not going to go out and say hang on we absolutely will be vindicated here because i don't have that trust that i must have (laughs) right right but i would like to read a facebook post from andrew slack who is the person who runs the harry potter alliance that he made after a lot of this stuff had gone down and people were just feeling really upset and I thought it kind of was a good summary of how I've been feeling about a lot of this. He says, it looks as though J.K. Rowling's relationship with HP fandom is not entirely different from George Lucas's relationship with the Star Wars fandom. Both spoke prophetically at key historical moments where their style and approach was desperately needed by the culture. And both stayed around long enough to see that culture shift and change, and no storyteller will forever understand the very culture by which they are once considered to have godlike status. But J.K. Rowling showed us in Book 7 that Dumbledore, who had a godlike status in the eyes of most of us, was not godlike. People are humans, frail, contradictory, and often wrong, and yet capable of so much good. Harry Potter tells that story, and so does J.K. Rowling. I will say this, please stop idolizing other people. The soul of our world and the soul of our hearts are non-linear, messy, and more sacred than any persona or brand. That goes for all of us. Hogwarts will always be there for them who need it. Regardless of how you feel about the author who named it, she channeled it. But Hogwarts is for you and no one can take that. No one. That's nice. I did think that was nice. I don't want people to pull out of that the whole, 
hey, people are human and can make mistakes and use that as an excuse to, you know, just right. let people get away with anything. But it was a nice reassuring reminder that, you know, part of the reason this has all been so difficult for a lot of us as fans is because we had JK Rowling on such a pedestal for so long. Yeah. And especially for many of us during a formative time of our lives. I mean, a lot of us went through you know, late childhood and early adulthood with the Harry Potter fandom as a formative force in our lives. So for that pedestal to be knocked out from under her and for us to be reminded, hey, she's still just a person and she is not perfect is difficult. Yeah, it is. Cool. Mm -hmm. Good find. I've had to remind myself a lot as this is going on that there are plenty of other franchises and stories that I'm obsessed with that were made by people that I wouldn't necessarily call the best people in the world and I'm just fine with that and there are plenty of things that I love that even within the actual works themselves I'm constantly like ah come on that's awful but I still enjoy the content and I just kind of need to let myself (laughs) still love things even though they're not perfect that's kind of the reason we started this podcast in the first place isn't it to let people like things (laughs) like yeah It's kind of funny to look back now at the beginning of this podcast and to think about the whole intention behind it of just being like, everyone hates on everything now that Cursed Child is out, but there's still good to be had. I don't know. It's hard. It's getting harder and harder to maintain that viewpoint, but I still think there can be good to be had. It's just something that we have to take in stride with other things that aren't that great, that might be problematic, but at least give us a topic of discussion to figure out. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, even if we are finding ourselves, you know, upset more and more and having more negative things to say, that doesn't mean we should just stop talking about it all of a sudden. Right. Cool. So that was a cheery episode. (laughs) (laughs) At least we started it off with lots of laughs. We did. I am appreciating the fact that the world on Twitter is coming together (laughs) in the same feeling of just like... I'm just going to read these tweets. The saddest death in Harry Potter is my respect for J.K. Rowling. (laughs) Um, There's another one of Gina from Brooklyn Nine-Nine dancing to music while like the whole office behind her is going nuts. (laughs) And someone says, me still loving the heck out of Harry Potter while ignoring everything J.K. Rowling ever says. (laughs) And I've seen several more. Those Those two happened literally like side by side on my timeline. So... They got sent to Mallory. At least a good thing to know that other people are having to interact with the same things we are and aren't just ignoring it one way or another. Okay, so next time on MuteCast, we are going to kind of have a fun little sleepover episode where we throw out a lot of the questions that people have and have had for many years about the Harry Potter universe in general, where we don't have any answers for it in canon. So... If any of you have questions like that that you would like us to discuss, please send them to us and we will go to town. That sounds like a bunch of fun. I'm really excited about it. Once again, find us on Twitter at Newtcasts with an S. Shoot us your questions there or on Facebook slash Newtcast or even at Newtcast.com. Any question goes, we would love to answer it or attempt to. Thanks for listening, guys. Hope you have a good one. Thanks. See you next time.